I'm sorry, Brenda. I have to go now. But why, Rock? Why? Because the world needs saving, Brenda, and someone has to step up and take out the trash. But, Rock, why does it have to be you? Because, Brenda, sometimes you either die a hero or you live to see yourself become Mac from the Carpe GM Gamecast. RPGM Gamecast. I'm Dan. I'm Mac. And that's it. <laughs> um, We're paring it down. No no Steve, no Brian. Um, running a little shy. We're, cut, we're trimming the fat. <laughs> Although, we do have a special guest. It's uh, Kyle from the Backwards Compatible Podcast. Hi, Kyle. Hello. How are you guys? Pretty do, good. Hello, Doing Internet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, properly used in the plural. Oh, I'm sorry. Hello, Internets. There you go. There we go. <laughs> Maybe you should Google it. <laughs> I, what's what's Google? I, I like host everything. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> wow, do you remember old search engines? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I remember when there was other stuff. Yeah, I always go to Lycos. Just uh, I, I, something about their ads always. Uh, I, I don't know. It's like ingrained in my head. That dog, you know. <laughs> I have friends who still use Yahoo because they use Yahoo as their homepage and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. Uh, Middle school library classes where they teach you all the different search engines you could possibly use and Ask Jeeves. Oh yeah, Ask Jeeves still exists, but it's become it's, like it's just Ask. Yeah, it's Ask dot com now. Yeah, they still have Ask Jeeves, but it uses Ask's yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that 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 that's great. That was a great harmony. Yeah. Thank you. Aww. <laughs> Visions of the in-betweens The laughing stock of useless social scenes Drop off into parallels of chemicals and wishing wells Where people leave their faith in unknown things The status quo of melodies We harmonize in sympathy Sing along the songs we never all right, so uh, we got Kyle here today. Um, let's just get started like we normally do, and we'll um, we'll start with what's on our horizon. Mac, what have you been doing? Well, I've been, uh, you know, school starting back up again, so I've been a little absorbed in that and reading a lot of... I have a bunch of law-related classes, so I've been reading a bunch of that sort of stuff, um, which has kind of been informing my uh, current development of a, a uh, campaign. Uh, I've also been trying to, uh, I've had some ideas for that. I think I want to take a sci-fi bent toward people sitting in front of the computer. I, I want them to use that, like coupling their own knowledge with the ability to look up some sciencey type stuff on the internet. Access to the database and whatnot. Yeah. That to be, well, I mean, Wikipedia is the obvious tool, but now what do you either get them looking at Wikipedia for history stuff or you get them looking at Wikipedia for sciencey stuff? Cause those right. are the most interrelated topics and the most easy to peruse and find relevant things. So I have some ideas for that because I've, 
I fall into wiki comas all the time and, and, and <laughs> have read a lot of really complex stuff about ideas for space travel and some stuff with regard to cosmology. So in addition to deciding that I'm going to take a sci-fi bend, I've been watching some uh, movies that people have told me that I need to catch up on in that regard. Watch, watched Oblivion and rewatched a couple Star Trek movies with an eye toward like, what can I parse out of some of this stuff? And so yeah, the uh, building toward it. Oblivion was pretty good. I thought uh, it had a certain sensibility to it. Have, have you got a system in mind? No. And I, and I don't necessarily want too much of a system. I want more of a like, Freeform style decision making type thing. So you're gonna kind of create something on your own, or you're gonna look for like quags or something. I'm probably gonna homebrew. I don't. Okay. I don't want to get bogged down in stats, and I don't want. I I have trouble as a in this capacity with allowing people to do their own research and divorcing them from their own sensibilities and level of intelligence as right. they might if they were uh, 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 gaming assistant acting a character out. Yeah. So I'm going to try to go with them behaving as themselves, put them in scenarios and ask them what they do and giving them access to, you know, presuming access to us stuff. In addition to that, Steve's uh, thing from last week about that, uh, the uh, uh, spaceship bridge simulations that presume right. that people would be sitting in front of a computer and yeah. coordinating that way. I'm trying to incorporate that in as well. Okay. So, not exactly a system, but I'm going to... There's some diceless systems out there, like Amber Diceless comes to mind. Uh, okay. You might also look into any of anything that you can find that uh, is LARP-based, mm-hmm. because they tend to tend to be more social in their mechanics. I'm focusing a lot on, on right now that it's going to be in concept, because I want this to be able to be done... Um, it's going to be a lot of idea and decision making driven rather than random event or performance driven. Okay. Um, puzzles maybe, but not probably not too many. Okay. Anyway, I'm trying Just to flesh out the story first and then we'll see what what I need. Yeah, yeah, that sort of stuff. Uh, just kind of the the whole tree thing, like seeing where they go with stuff. All right. Well, if um if anybody out there has any suggestions for Mac, um. Send them in, dan at carpegm.net. I was just going to finish up with, I did just watch Oblivion last night. Yeah. For the first time, I missed it in theaters, but uh, HBO got it, so I was able to check it out. It had a weirdly particular sensibility to it that I wasn't quite able to put my finger on until I realized that it was originally written as a graphic novel by the guy who eventually produced and directed it. Ooh. Yeah. So it uh, it definitely has that sort of like storytelling structure and a lot of tropes of sci-fi comic books. Good though, good. I haven't seen it, actually. So really high concept and a little provocative. Neat stuff. I'll check it out. Yeah. Okay, I'll go next. Dan, what have you been doing? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, I received um, a couple of books in the mail from the United Kingdom. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the United what Kingdom. What the hell? <laughs> uh, Chris Birch from Adiphius sent me oh, physical right. print copies of the uh, Octun Cthulhu. Ad- Investigator's Guide. And oh, we've the, got these here, don't we? Yeah, Octoon Cthulhu Keeper's Guide. These are beautiful looking books, and they, they look retro-y old. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're yeah. really slick books. Uh, you can't buy them anywhere yet, so that's pretty nifty. Uh, hey, but just, pulp art. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, Hello, nurse. And I just wanted to put that out there on the show that these things are gorgeous. They're they're laid out like... Um, if you've seen any of the old adventure, the adventures for Octon Cthulhu, they're laid out in a similar fashion, which is uh, every page looks like the page of a dossier. And with the pictures that are 
paper clipped on or taped on or something like that. But it's done really well and it uses old fonts and whatnot. These books are laid out to be used with either Call of Cthulhu or Savior, uh, Savage Worlds. Uh, the mechanics for both are in these books. The PDF is laid out the exact same way, but if you get the opportunity, you got to check out these print books. They're gorgeous. They got maps, they got great, like, pulpy, dark art in there. Dan, if I didn't and know any better, I'd say you're trying to sell this to me. I, I am trying to sell it to you. <laughs> and it's not because. It's not oh, that new book smell. Yeah. <laughs> It's not. It's not necessarily because I'm the uh, my position with them. Like I got the position that I that I'm that I have with them because I really believe in the product. And he's doing some really cool stuff. So if you are a World War II buff or a Cthulhu guy, you need to check this stuff out. Maps in the beginning. Yeah, always a plus. My brother-in-law is a big World War II buff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know his thoughts on Cthulhu, <laughs> but I, I do know. <laughs> That he does not play tabletop RPGs. I'm going to hand him the books and see what he thinks. All right. Uh, because I know they, they do a lot of research in putting um, actual battles and characters and people and uh, a lot of attention to detail as far as the fluff for the books. Mm, cool. Uh, anyway, so that's been on my horizon. I've been paging through these things. I'm going to sit down and really go through them. I always covet non-narrative descriptions of the old gods and the elder gods. Yeah, the, this is what you've yeah. got here, and you can couple these. If you're, if you're a Savage Worlds player, it's recommended that you grab uh, Realms of Cthulhu, which is the Savage Cthulhu setting, I, I believe by Reality Blurs. And then I think this is compatible with 6th edition Chaosium's Call of Cthulhu, I think is what it is. Unfortunately, I wow, think that's an old name in gaming. They may have already come out with a seventh edition since these <laughs> books were published. I think. I don't quote me on that. I haven't been keeping up with Chaosium stuff, but I think they may have a seventh edition. And I will look into what they changed between Whether they're and seventh to see if it's compatible, still compatible or not. Yeah. yeah. So look, uh, watch watchcarpegm.net and possibly drive through RPG for a review that I'm going to write for the books considering I've actually seen the print copies. And if you're not a Kickstarter backer, I don't think that there's any way for you to get these yet. Mm. Uh, as of when we record this podcast, anyway. So, anyway, that's what I've been doing. All right, Kyle. You've listened to the show once or twice. You know what's going on. What's on your horizon? What are you, what are you, what are you been doing? What's interesting to you right now? Whatever. At the current moment, uh, as far as you know, personal life, I'm looking for a, a new house. We're looking to move soon. We've got another baby on the way. Uh, and I actually I bring the story up. Congratulations. Thank you. You f***ing idiot. <laughs> your your daughter it. listens to this podcast, yeah. remember? I don't. All right. <laughs> Hello, Elena. Um, and I, I actually bring this up. We were looking at a house uh, the other day uh, over in, in Granite City where I live. And it was probably the only house that I had ever seen um, outlets on the floor. And now getting here to Max House, I notice this is not a a new thing. Or it's not Max House, it's Carpe GM Studio. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that's the first thing I notice here at you guys' wonderful studio. This, this is, is totally not Max House. Address CGM one. Yeah. It, what, what did we call it? We called it yeah Studios two or whatever. Yeah. I don't remember. So when I got here to Abbey Road. Uh, <laughs> I noticed you have you have outlets on the floor, and I uh, I found that interesting. So we, we looked at this house the other day, and I very large house, very uh, roomy, but I got this shining vibe off of it, really, <laughs> really bad. Is that because there was like a little kid riding around on a big wheel when he got in there? <laughs> no, or? but it was big enough that 
blood washing in <laughs> through the front room. I've seen a lot of houses in the area that have that Amity style mm-hmm. like window like yeah. on the on the side. Hate that. Yep. Can't stand it. it. Creeps me out every time. <laughs> so no, I mean this this house is straight out of the nineteen seventies. Uh wood panel uh walling. Or walls. I don't. I don't know the proper way. Oh to yeah, say it. I know. Yeah. yeah, my grand my grandparents' basement. Yeah, like that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, shag carpet. Uh, you know the upstairs rooms. Kind of. They gave me the the vibe of uh, you know the the rooms that they were staying in. in you're the describing. You're describing my buddy. Um, my buddy Don's basement from mm-hmm. back in the day where it was my first game room essentially, oh, okay. <laughs> where we actually used to get together and game and it was wood paneled walls and a shag carpet and whatnot and i swear also to god still. when the kids are gone i'm rebuilding that in my really? basement i'm just gonna put wood paneling on the walls i love that the, carpeting too putting the like, huge game table I've, I've got a huge game table that's kind of off in the in the in the music room, the, the laundry room, the whatever you want, room you want to call yeah. it right now. <laughs> but uh, we've got a family room over there, and I'll put the long table right in the middle of it and put a big old thick shag carpet, <laughs> two inches of carpet pad underneath it. You know, it was, I can't wait to redo, re, revive that. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, in this house, or sorry, in this classic <laughs> London recording uh, <laughs> studio, the reason that. Like you on the wall over there, it's a wall outlet and everything. Mm-hmm. The reason that there are floor outlets in these front rooms of the house mm-hmm. is because these are this front part of the house is ancient, mm-hmm. and these are solid brick walls. Oh wow, really? Yeah. So they weren't. And in other houses I've been in, it's just because they didn't want to go into the mm-hmm. walls, and it's just a lazy way to put an outlet in a wall when you can't well, go into the wall. Now I'm very unimpressed. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like a new age, you know. Like this is this is the way this is the way of the future. We're going to put them in the floors now. Nope. Instead, they're just you know uh, I don't want to go through brick. You go downstairs. When and they, it's just wires. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it is. When the satellite <laughs> guy came, he just took a drill to the carpet <laughs> and just went straight through it. He well, he he peeled back a corner and then went. Straight you don't really to the care floor. about this carpet, do you? <laughs> it's like I no, I lease it. <laughs> so yeah, we 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 took a look at this house. Uh, needless to say, I'm definitely I'm not not moving in there because it, and the, the kitchen was this like awful pea green. Oh yeah, that's that's seventies. That's seventies that, green. Oh that's what that is. It was seventies green horrifying. and like and like all the hardware and stuff in the house is like burnished mm-hmm. bronze, yep. black brown. Dude, when I was looking yep. for a house a couple times ago, we found one that had the pea green style kitchen, and it still had all the old GE stovetop and like inset wall nice. uh, uh, ovens, but they were ancient. It was like a cast iron door to the <laughs> oven, <laughs> and the 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 settings on the on the on the brand new. 1954 electric burners uh, right. it, on the countertop, in, built into the countertop, was uh, push button like like ancient 70s uh, oh. uh, NASA style. <laughs> when you push one button, the other one pops out again. Like for what the the whack a mole pad? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for yes, yes, like that. Yes, that's at description uh, for for what setting you wanted the burner on. State of the art wow. NASA whack a mole pad. Yep. Wow. Because dials were too hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they were too advanced. You know what? I I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I saw what was being built. Like I've I've lived in quite a few houses that have exactly the stuff you guys are talking mm-hmm. about. But then I, I went on a tour on a submarine that was used <laughs> in World War II, and I got inside this thing, and the control rooms and stuff. It looked like something right out of a. It doesn't even look real. Maybe I'll post an, a picture on the website. Like mm-hmm. all the dials and and. Uh, uh, 
portcullis doors and mm-hmm. what's the what are the big wheels that you have to turn? Yeah, to, I can't remember. Um, H- hatches. Yeah, yeah, it was it was crazy. The the twenty thousand leagues below the sea <laughs> technology that was going on in there. Like people were in there, like way below. Oh no, no, thank you. Yeah, my goodness, it was crazy. I'll post and some pictures on the. Remember website. that they had to pilot that thing around. And, and did you see any windows? Uh, no, no, right. not at all. <laughs> Blind. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the Hunt for Red October again the other night, and they yeah. do this bit where they're trying to make the turn at Neptune Mass or whatever. And right. They they they've got they've got charts. And, and, and a guy with a marker. And a prayer. And a clock. <laughs> right. and they're going, okay, we're going at about this speed and we're going to hit this rock in about, uh, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And he turns at the last minute. And it's yeah. like, and, and I was trying to point out to a friend of mine who was seeing it for the first time. It's important to remember that though they're cutting to Sean Connery, who's looking very intently at nothing, <laughs> you need to know that they're doing all this. They're doing all this in their head. So everybody's freaking out. Because they don't have as accurate of a brain picture as Sean Connery does. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right, so you're looking for a new house. Anything else? Uh, anything fun? Try not to buy <laughs> anything haunted or yeah. <laughs> suggestive of haunting. The the last thing on the house and uh, and the other shining vibe that I got was uh, <laughs> it had like an outdoor patio, uh, but enclosed you know type of patio deal so i guess more of an indoor patio and walking in so this is the first room that you see in the house uh the carpet was not shag but it had a design on it that was very reminiscent of the carpet from the shining like the triangles the, and the <laughs> hexagonal you know type oh of, no way seriously yeah. oh that's creepy yeah. as hell. i mean it wasn't as you know uh large i'm not interested in the house but i'll give you 20 bucks for the carpet <laughs> <laughs> i have to have that carpet so yeah, looking at that house, that was that was kind of scary. And uh, we ended up going to the basement. My daughter was like, "The basement's scary. I don't want to be down here." So we- Man, there's a scene in The Shining where the little kid's playing on the carpet with some toys, and the ball rolls toward him. Yep, yep. Have you ever seen that when the ball rolls toward him, it cuts away and it comes back, and when it comes back, the carpet is in a different orientation? Yes, uh, I actually, I watched uh, you the did doc- you watched the thing the I, uh, I watched the thing room too, two yeah. uh, yeah. two thirty seven yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, just watching that I'm like. He really was screwing with us. <laughs> like, like that's the, cause the walls and the rooms and everything are still in the, they right. had to take the carpet up and yep. put it back down a different yep, way and start right. shooting the scene again. Sh- screw that. It's not that's on me. <laughs> Foul. Man, uh, hauntings in real estate these days. It's so hard to find a house that no one's been murdered in in Granite City. Ha. <laughs> ah. It's a selling point. Ha. Ah. It's, it's, yeah, this house uh, has already had its one. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a status symbol. Or, or the inverse. Oh, wow. It's no one's been murdered in this house yet. Four I, bedrooms. I used to play D&D at a guy's house who had a stain in front of his front door, which was where they found the guy who used to live there. Oh, previous. wow. That's fantastic. That's Jubbs' house. You're leaving your mark. <laughs> Marking your territory. He'd been an old guy and he lived all alone and he'd kind of liquefied before they found him. Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, yeah. So outside of haunted houses, <laughs> so who wants soup? <laughs> I do. I always use the bones in making stuff. Outside of haunted houses, uh, I haven't really been up too too much, but uh, I did just get my early access to the game Broken Age, uh, which was. Do you get? Do you guys ever play adventure games? Sometimes. Okay. Yeah. I've played a lot of games. Yeah. Not so much anymore, but go ahead. Well, I know back I, in your day, in the day I, of the dinosaurs, that it, that's I correct. Mean, ColecoVision. Know. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this game was, uh, it was probably one of the biggest, uh, Kickstarter successes, uh, and one of the first ones. It was, uh, the first Kickstarter to reach a million within a day or within 24 hours. Uh, so this was the big one, uh, not too long ago. Yeah. That was, yeah. yeah, I remember yeah it was about two years ago. It was Tim Schaefer, the guy, you know, he had worked on like 
uh, Secret of Monkey Island, Day of the Tentacle, you know, he's a big name in the, in the, uh, the video game world. Okay. Uh, decided to go to Kickstarter and ask for $400,000. Get him on your show. Interview him. <laughs> I might try that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give him a give him a little ring yeah. ring a ding. Call old Timmy. <laughs> um, Listen, I'm a big Secret of Monkey Island fan. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure he doesn't hear that at all. <laughs> <laughs> when you say that at his adventure game, I now know what you're talking about. Yeah, I played a ton of them. Okay, so yeah, they asked four hundred thousand dollars. They ended up getting three and a half million dollars. Yeah, and uh, that was you know back in March of 2012, and the first act of this game finally released. And since I was a backer, I get it two weeks early, and I played through that. And it was, uh, it was okay. That's it. Yeah, I just mean, okay. Well, so millions of dollars, and it's just okay. So I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I didn't grow up playing adventure games. So when you're talking adventure games, you're mm-hmm. talking about like you're stranded on a desert island. You have to go collect fucking logs to do yeah, a thing. I mean, uh, so and you stumble across an old temple or something, and there's some stuff in there. Kind of. I mean, like, yeah, that's you, what we're talking you're, about. You're essentially kind of writing one of yourself. I okay. mean, <laughs> really, the idea of a adventure game is you know you're kind of walking around talking to people, and you're you're faced with these puzzles, and you know you collect a few items. Yeah, you know? so it's like Zelda. Think, yeah, think, but think, think Mist, but okay, more story yeah. most of the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and, it's like uh, the the old Japanese RPGs. Yeah, without like, the, sort of, but not no as, character not, building, like yeah. '90s yeah. stuff. Like, yeah. Just yeah. not as much. There's not a whole lot of gameplay. It's more puzzles and whatnot. Okay. Did you ever yes. play Zork? I've played. Yes, I've played. Okay. Oh my god! Yeah. Zork, Zork. <laughs> Just take Zork and uh, put a you know uh, a GUI in front of it, and that's that's an adventure. Game. I believe I've mentioned before that uh, the first CD-ROM my prefer like, not drive. to have any GUIs near my Zork. That's <laughs> all the same to you. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'll try anything once. <laughs> right? Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, go ahead, GUI. What were you saying? <laughs> anything wants to get no. Um, uh, I I think I've mentioned on the podcast before that when my family got their first CD-ROM to yeah. drive to add into. Oh our my PC. god! I remember that when that was a big deal. Yeah, me so too. Old. Yeah, <laughs> I remember running games off of off of uh, the floppy, like the ex, extra large floppy disks. <laughs> I took my old computer desk and moved it into my uh, workroom, my workshop, mm-hmm. and uh, like had to cut the hutch down a little bit to make it fit underneath. Some existing shelving and whatnot, and I'm using it. Get for, the chainsaw out. Eh, <laughs> I, I did it by hand with a stick knife. Right. I um. So I, anyway, I, I cleaned it out before I did that, and there was a box of old six-inch floppies in there that I have oh, wow. no idea why. I don't, I don't know where they came from. I haven't owned a computer that can run those things. I know. I, I can remember when I, the le- when my family got rid of the last one that could actually even take a six-inch. Yeah, I have no idea. Oh, that was so weird. You had to depress the lever to get the thing out. Oh yeah. my god! I remember uh, when I was younger, uh, my dad had bought a Star Trek game. I think it was the 25th anniversary Star Trek had that game. game. Yeah, and uh, I I know that they had at one point put it out on CD-ROM, but I guess he bought the the cheap version that had like 12 floppy disks to yep. install. I had that game, and floppy disks hold like what three megabytes? So I don't, like, I don't know. What's your watch hold? <laughs> yeah. Probably, very probably about 15 gig if I had to take a guess <laughs> in this day and age. Probably pretty uh, similar. But so I, I mean, yeah, adventure games. That's you know, that's that's kind of your whole gameplay uh, aspect is you know puzzles and you get items and you talk to people and you try and figure things out. And that was probably the biggest downfall on this on this particular game was the puzzles were really simple. You know, so I never sat there and like was trying to grind the gears to try to figure anything out. Everything kind of came pretty quickly. Or maybe I'm just really good at games now. I don't know. But I will say it had a pretty good story. And the ending, uh, as much as like I was kind of unimpressed 
with the, the entire game. That ending has made me very excited for the second act that will be out later this year. Oh, is it wrong of me that if the two options are the game sucked or you're really good at games, <laughs> that I'm willing to throw the three million dollar game company under the bus? Yeah, that's that's very wrong of you. Okay. <laughs> All right, just checking. No, it sounds fun. It sounds like it was a little bit of a letdown, though. That that does a little bit, uh, a little bit. Well, what was neat about the Kickstarter was I got access to uh, a behind-the-scenes documentary right, but I'm yeah, design. They, they yeah. only asked for four hundred thousand yeah. dollars or whatever. Is that where they stopped? Well, it sounds like a four hundred thousand dollar game to me. Doesn't it sound like a three million dollar game. Well, I think what it was was so they wanted four hundred thousand dollars. Feel like they could make it better. Yeah. Well, faster and I, stronger. <laughs> They're gonna make the six that million dollar re- man. That requires game. like six million dollars, <laughs> at least in nineteen seventies dollars. <laughs> at least halfway there. So, uh, I think what you know, they asked for four hundred thousand, kind of assuming they wouldn't really even, you know, they would just barely break that, and they were gonna kind of, you know, use like older systems and and just make it very, um, you know, very retro style. Okay. And once they got that much, you know, I mean, three hundred three and a half million dollars is kind of what it takes to make it. So they did all that and got my ties. <laughs> like, <that's what> <laughs> but. I think where kind of where a lot of the money went was they started hiring voice actors. I mean, Jack Black uh, okay, has okay. a character. Elijah Wood plays the uh, the main boy character. All right, now we're talking you know. a little. We're speaking yeah, a little so, bit more of a three million dollar language. Yeah, so I mean, you went from kind of all right, we're going to make a small adventure game for the fans and whatnot. It'll be you know not too expensive. Now we have all this extra money. What do we use it for? Well, let's raise the production value. You know, let's and it looks beautiful. They mm-hmm. got um, you know I think it's one of their in house artists or whatever, but he was working in New York at the time, and they you know paid to have him out. Out there and on the team to be a part of it because his art was you know radically different from what they were coming up with and it, it just looks amazing yeah so new video games new house with uh with outlets <laughs> on the floor yes. and uh the shining rug yes blood in the living room got it um <laughs> with uh welcome to the show Hey, <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> hey, just as a just to take the temperature before we get into any conversations, what do you know about uh, tabletop role playing games? Absolutely shit. There we go. <laughs> All, All right. right, that'll set the tone. A- and with kids. that, we're gonna take a quick break. Come right back. And we're back. All right, so Kyle, I brought you in. Um, all right, so seriously, I brought you in because I didn't have anybody else come in. <laughs> oh, thanks. And you were handy. Hey, <laughs> but you yes. bring something to the table: your ignorance. I, ah! And we would like to explain. I find that, that offensive, and I'll ask you not to call me that again. <laughs> What'd you call me? <laughs> We'd like to exploit that boom, ignorance. Boom, boom, crash. <laughs> We'd like to exploit that ignorance now. You, you've been playing video games. Uh, I'm assuming you've played some board games and whatnot as well, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, like, at least the casual stuff. You yeah. ever, you ever get I've into, had like, my fair share of Monopoly games. I've, you know... Like uh, Settlers of Catan? You ever get into that or anything? No. Have okay, you guys ever, so that's where you draw the line. Uh, have you guys ever played a game called uh, Dark Tower? Anybody remember that? No? No. 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 I remember a really crappy computer game mm-hmm. and a Stephen King novel series. Okay. Uh, well, it was you know board game had like a little motorized uh, tower in the middle. <laughs> motorized. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Ameritrash. Actually, I don't know. If- <laughs> <laughs> don't wake daddy. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was so, made for seven year olds. You know. <laughs> no, uh, it actually it, it actually had a lot of uh, um, like RPG type elements and whatnot. You had like a scorecard. Uh, every move that you took, you had to deduct uh, food for your troops. And I forget some of the other stuff. You could go to the bazaar and buy items and stuff like that. Um, and eventually, I mean, you kind of work your way around the board, and then you go to the dark tower, and you're just. Fighting. You've totally played an RPG. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, well, yeah. Um, that's probably the closest that I've come to. All I right, guess. that's the show. Yeah. Thanks a lot, folks. Thanks for having me. I'll gone. See you guys later. He's uh, he's played it. Um, no, so seriously. Um, so so tabletop RPGs have kind of been some amorphous thing, kind of off in the distance. You couldn't really see what was going on. Yeah. Now, Dungeons and Dragons, back in the late seventies, kind of created. What you do today, mm-hmm. like it's just a different version, a, a different medium for the same type of storytelling. I'd say the biggest difference between most video games, like RPG-based video games, or even probably a lot of combat-based video games, is your involvement in the medium, in mm-hmm. the way the story's told. Mm-hmm. Whether when playing Zelda, you don't have to decide Link's every move. You get a few choices. It's pretty railroady. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, you're going to end up in the same place. Uh, the idea of simulation and creating mechanics for a dynamic of play started in these systems. They had to figure out what their dice rolls meant and how hard to, you know, when, when you had dice of a certain size that then had to be that, uh, uh, you had to chart out how difficult anything was when you're incorporating a random element like this. And then you had to figure out when you're going to roll things and when you're not going to roll things. And that became the mechanics for dynamics of play. And that grew into as you were able to develop more sophisticated, more sophisticated randoms, more complex, uh, mechanics and dynamics. And when you can computerize them so that people didn't have to do them in their heads or with pen and paper anymore, you could do a whole lot more of them. And that just grew into video games that we know today. It's important to know where you came from. <laughs> That was going to be my whoa, question. Whoa. Is that now kids these days? <laughs> class dismissed. Yeah, there it is. So now that uh, Mac put all that on Front Street and you took notes, I saw. Either I want you to answer the question: What do you? How do you view tabletop role playing games from your from your perspective? Or I want you to ask a question of something that you don't know about role-playing games or you know, if you have any questions for mm-hmm. us being inside the hobby mm-hmm. it is a lot like watching old-timey movies <laughs> just <laughs> really like yeah seriously playing on playing a tabletop rpg if you played like which i'm not sure if you have but if you've ever played like an mmorpg mm. it's like going from like the action-filled extravaganzas of today back to oh yeah you know yeah. casablanca and the yeah. thin man like so how do you want to how do you want to proceed <clears throat> um i guess We'll do, uh, my view on right. tabletop gaming, uh, yeah. as, as I see it as an outsider, uh, you know, looking in. I mean, you know, I've always slow, known, boring, cave, well, cave, cave. <laughs> I've always known cave about, man. you know, dungeons and, ja- uh, dun- dungeons uh, and jams. Dungeons and jams. <laughs> that was the jive version of, <laughs> you'll pass those dice. <laughs> so I've, I've always known, you know, D and D, Gary Gygax and everything of that sort, but I've never, like, all hail the great Gygax. Yeah. <laughs> Is, is, is that a thing? Is that what you're supposed to do? <laughs> is that blasphemous if I'm not? It's I, if I'm not doing that. No, we're actually more worried about his corpse coming back to haunt us, <laughs> as has happened several times. We, we've had a, we've had a couple of experiences. Oh, okay, okay, carry on. So you know about Gary Gygax? <laughs> so I, scumbag Gygax. <laughs> 
so I'm definitely aware of you know what tabletop gaming is and and and, and especially how it relates to you know modern video games. Okay. you know, and a lot of where that uh, builds out of. And Thanks for completely discounting the last eight minutes of the podcast. No, that's <laughs> hey man, you guys want to talk? I'm gonna give you that avenue to talk. <laughs> Just messing with you. <laughs> Um, specifically, I remember, uh, the game Fallout, uh, they originally wanted to use the GURPS, uh, system, which I know I've heard you guys say, uh, a few times. Is that? Yeah. yeah. GURPS is a thing. Yeah. And I had, I had no GURPS idea. GURPS is an awesome thing. There you go. Says me. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? It's how thick the book is. <laughs> <laughs> They're not that. No, GURPS isn't that thick. That's Hero you're thinking of. All right. <laughs> You know, so, uh, but yeah, I had, I had no idea that GURPS was, you know, something that originated in, in, you know, tabletop gaming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and growing up, I never, I, you know, never really hung out with anybody who was kind of into tabletop gaming. So I never really got a chance to kind of jump into, uh, this hobby. Okay. So really, from my perspective, it's like what the real nerds do, you know, right. <laughs> like I'm a, I guess you didn't spend a lot of time in libraries. No. No. (laughs) I was going to start this off with a story that Mm. I just remembered because we were on some crazy tangential stuff. Yes. Um, I was, I was interviewing a a young lady for a job and, um, (laughs) and one of the questions I asked is, Hey, what do you do for fun? And she said, well, I'm, I'm a gamer chick. (laughs) And she meant video games Mm -hmm. and such. Gamer, being a gamer to me mm-hmm. is something completely different. Like, we have to qualify it now. Do you call yourself a gamer? Yes. And actually, I remember, uh, when I first started, uh, at work and I came in to do all the paperwork and whatnot, uh, you had sat down with me and we went over the paperwork and you asked the same type of question. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm a gamer. And you're like, oh, what kind of games are you into? And I was like, oh, you know, like, Grand Theft Auto and and the Mass Effects and and I could see like you had a moment of like ooh what do you what do you what do you like and I was, I told you that and you're like oh well that's that's cool <laughs> I oh I just I just went through this I I, I had a uh, uh, first day of class you know everybody go around and say something about yourself yeah. and I was like you know I'm Mac and I'm interested in the design and play of competitive games and collective storytelling games and he was like oh you mean like after saying all that, I don't know how I got this retort, but oh, like video games? I was like, no, that's exactly not what I said. I was like, not necessarily, but also, all, all, and then I, and then I had to go all kinds, you know, card games, tabletop games, miniatures games, video games, computer games. I don't know. I, Three times before the cock crows, you will doubt your hobby. Right. <laughs> you lumped it in. You lumped it in with everything else. Uh, no, there's, there's a, there's a qualifying tone because the vernacular's changed. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, if you said you were a gamer, like, I was I was about ten when Nintendo came home, you know, and I'd been playing tabletop RPGs since I was about eight or so. So it was a different situation, you know. When you say you're a gamer, like even for the first couple of years that the Nintendo was on the home front, like people weren't gamers. Right. Was your idea of a gamer largely based on Kenny Rogers and the Gambler? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I okay. do know when to hold them. <laughs> Do you know when to fold them? That's the real question. Uh, I know I, when to fold them. That's, <laughs> don't know when to hold them. The two of us together. Mostly do a lot of folding. <laughs> He's Kenny. I'm Rogers. That's the way it works. He's got the beard. I got the singing voice. Deal. Yeah. Deal. I was totally, <laughs> totally awash there. Um, so, so whenever, whenever I say I'm a, I don't even say I'm a gamer anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why whenever I came up with this idea for this podcast, I kind of coined the term social event gaming, which which it, it's 
a social event. It's a party. It's party games. It's family games. It's games that you sit and do face to face with other people. <laughs> um, now that, that said, there's, there's a lot of social aspects to, um, video games that, it's just a different type of social. Mm. Like the social interaction, a lot of social interaction is online and not face to face anymore. It's just kind of the way the world has moved. Mm-hmm. Um, so social event gaming can, can encompass a lot of things. But whenever I say, you know, Hey, what do you do for fun? I, I play, you know, tabletop RPGs or, um, board games. You know, I have to say these things because if I just say gamer, they're going to assume I'm playing wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's just the way it is. I'm a big fan of face to face games. I mean, me too. You know, even the silly, cheap, stupid little games. You yeah. know, that just create that just elicit an interpersonal re- interaction between the distant two people. games, even MMOs that you play with other people. I've tended to not play with other people very well. I tend to play them by myself. And the face to crouch games are just really expensive. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, so bury the lead. <laughs> um, we're the super nerds. Yes, still. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say yeah. so. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I would too. I mean, I'm I would still say on the I would say that gamer needs to not mean people who play video games anymore because everybody plays video games. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I would. Point. I would. When the 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 younger you get, the further from Dan's generation you get. You know, to our age, and then even the the younger kids now, everybody plays video games. Yeah, good point. It used to be that. So what do you do for fun? Yeah. I'm a person. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, now, now how do you yeah. self-identify that? I live in a world where Xboxes exist. I'm sorry if you're a, a, oh, a Sony no, guy. I don't have... Right. Well, I am a PC guy. I don't have oh. a... Uh, oh. Oh. oh <laughs> good. I'm I'm also not much with the... I do with the... I have a PC. It's like mm-hmm. my hot rod. And right. What the hell do I need anything else for? Right. But, right. But everybody else, the normals. Oh, man. Who don't know anything about they don't know technology anything about this or elitism. Steam or like, yeah. <laughs> they're still paying full price for their games. Seriously, idiots play everything behind like one year behind schedule, so you know if it's good or not, and it's <laughs> and it's one tenth the price. I'm pretty sure we own every console that's come out since the mid nineties. I'm pretty sure you do too. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that in our household you can find anything, and we're not collectors. It's just stuff that's been. Mm-hmm. As they come out, we just buy it. Accrued. Yeah, it's not yeah. even like, oh, I must get this system and all of its games or anything. I listened to another podcast, um, Play On, on the Planet Arbitrary Network. Cool, cool show. It's ran... It's, what, are you, what are you doing? What? Plugging other networks. Hey, man, that's what I do. All right. Sport, 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 right? All right. Uh, so it's a pretty cool show in that the, the host... Um, He's is, never listened to an episode. <laughs> He's just looking at this all off. The host is a game equipment collector. Um, so he collects the hardware. He has a real affinity for hardware and he collects like old stuff like Neo Geo X and all kinds of stuff. Uh, Super pretty, Nintendo glove. Does he have one of those? I'm sure he has a glove. Yeah. Sure Holy crap, man. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's a pretty cool show. Um, talks about a lot of old stuff, talks a lot about a new stuff, about a lot of new stuff. So kind of keeps me, keeps me interested. Brings up a bunch of old memories and uh, keeps me abreast of whatever news the Backwards Compatible <laughs> podcast doesn't put out for me. Oh. oh man, it's just supplemental. They're not living in the past, man. Supplemental <laughs> material. Uh, so anyway, I don't even know why I started that. I don't remember either. In any case, we um, we brought you in to, to ask some questions. What, what do you got? What's the question? Uh, so what is Dungeons and Dragons? No. 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 It involves two things. Two things. Dungeons and 
Dragons? Correct. I'm sold. Let's do this. <clears throat> like, just what's on your... Like, when we tell you, hey, we're playing a tabletop RPG, mm-hmm. you're like, what goes through your mind? Like, if I were to say that we're going to play... A, I'm putting together a Fallout 3 uh, Savage Worlds campaign. Okay. What 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 goes through your mind? Uh, first, I'm very excited because I love Fallout 3 right. and, and I would love to be in that world. Second, it's... Uh, I think... The thing that interests me the most about tabletop gaming and, and probably the thing that I've never really seen in person is, you know, so when, when I play a video game, a writer has already decided everything that's going to happen. Yeah, you know? right. and, and I have ways to kind of go this way on the story path and or go this way. But at the end of the day, more than likely, I'm going to end up in the same area. Right. Um, you know, and... I'm going to get the same story that everybody else gets. Yeah, if you go as far as Mass Effect 4, you might have like <laughs> nine endings or right. something. Like, <laughs> But, you know, it sounds like with tabletop gaming, it's a more personal experience with, you know, the people that you're playing with. And, I, I mean, the stories that you guys are crafting when you play these games, um, how much of that are you determining and how much of it is in, you know, I guess your, your dungeon guide or, or I mean... What Fantastic are, question. Thank from, you. From the outside looking in, thank you. Um, <laughs> you're crafting the entire story. Okay. Or you can be. You can run modules that are kind of like running through a video game, mm-hmm. where you have a set set of tasks that you have to complete, and the, all of the non-player characters they're kind of scripted out, like what what they'll say if you have a response. You know, obviously, it's a little bit different in that you're you can always turn around and go back if you want to. Mm-hmm. Unlike, you know, when you're playing a video game, maybe you can't go back into that room. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you, you have a little bit more agency in your character. And you have much more freedom in his or her reactions and what he says and does. So the idea is that we set a, we set a scene like I just did with Fallout 3, mm-hmm. that world. We, we, let's, let's, we take it to another part of the world that the video game did not explore. And we start a story with new characters. You're one of the characters. Max, one of the characters. Brian's one of the characters. You know, and rather than being a sprite on a screen that you run down a path, mm-hmm. you are a character in the story. And you are acting as that character's agent, essentially. Okay. You're portraying that character and saying what he would or would not do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you build the story as you go, along with whoever's running the game, the GM, the DM, whatever you want to call it, the game master. Uh, you're working together, collaborative storytelling. You're working together to tell an interesting story and, and reacting to sometimes what happens with when you throw a randomizer into things. Mm-hmm. Just to, to, to build it up through a bit of a process, I think, at its simplest, let's just use D&D in this case, at its simplest, it is a set of rules that are adaptable to any, you know, uh, not any, to, to a bunch of different situations that you can put in. Dungeons and Dragons in particular is, is uh, a setup as a combat and adventuring rules mm-hmm. to interact with dun- dungeons, certain adventuring settings. Renaissance and medieval area, era. Mm-hmm. For the development of Sorry. NPCs in order to interact with, um, and, uh, creatures to combat against. Mm-hmm. So very much like a combat system and adventure system, just like you would encounter in any video game. The advantage of it being tabletop and being in your mind's eye is that it's, it's, you can 
apply those rules to almost anything. You can be wielding any kind of sword rather than only a fixed, you know, few right. or stuff like that. You can fight any kind of creature. Your dungeons can be as long or as simple as they hmm. want. It can be go kill the boss. It can be get through the thing. It can be find this thing. It, all kinds of stuff. Hmm. What people have added to that, and it is presumed that it will be added to in most experiences now, is first of all, they start uh, having... Uh, storylines and things that they proceed through as part of the adventure that aren't so simple. Mm-hmm. Um, social interactions, uh, a lot of... You, uh, you sprinkle in a little improv mm. yeah. well, I on top of the mechanics. The other thing that they do is they start acting their characters out. Characters aren't just your mechanics anymore. They now have personalities. They interact, again, socially. They have behaviors and that, all that sort of stuff. And you go through personal story arcs if you're if you're doing it right. Right. Or I don't want to say if you're doing it right, but you can <laughs> be in a position where your character can evolve over time and go mm-hmm. through personal story arcs. And then the evolution has happened because where previously the dungeon, the NPCs, and the bosses would all be run by a single GM who was basically determining what everything looked like that, that the players had to proceed through. Mm-hmm. Now, because you've added in all these other dimensions, the players have some ownership in what their characters decide to do. And you can totally turn around and leave the dungeon if you decide you don't want to go through the dungeon anymore. And now the GM has to be able to tell what happened when you do that and all that sort of thing Mm -hmm. and it becomes because of their pull in addition to the gm's adaptation to it it has developed this collective storytelling thing that you can't get in a video game that like you said Hmm. somebody's already written out yeah it's the ability to travel where you want to go in the world of fallout 3 versus where has already been plotted out for you in the game um, so there's there's a considerable difference there and that in itself in and of itself is why i enjoy this hobby so much it's pretty much the most versatile hobby that I've ever encountered. And because you can tell any story, you can be any person, you can go any place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once you learn to get under the hood and start playing with the numbers a little bit, you can tell any story with just about any system. And when you're dealing with different systems, those are the specific rule set. Like what does this number mean on a die and how you're going to determine whether I punch that guy and whether it hits him or not. Mm-hmm. A system puts you uh, it's kind of the set of rules that the constant set of rules that everybody kind of agrees and binds to whenever you sit down to play a specific game like Dungeons and Dragons. GURPS is a totally different system. It works off of different n- arrays of numbers and the way they interact together and different probabilities. Mm-hmm. It's a more uh, simulationist system as opposed to uh, an attrition system like Dungeons and Dragons where it's just kind of chipping away until everything, mm-hmm. till you get down to zero and then you're dead. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas GURPS, you, you know, you take the arrow to the knee, you don't, don't <laughs> hear the, hear the consequences of here's what happens. Yeah. Now you can't move, you know, you can only move at one quarter, your normal pace. Oh, okay. It's so more so like so about what that guy's life is like after he takes the arrow to the knee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When he becomes the guard. So, well, how he gets there and everything. Oh, okay. yeah. So did the long you recovery uh, process? The part where his wife leaves him, like his kids don't even call him dad anymore. I mean, just, yeah, he's a shell of a man. Can't even walk in the the pub. <laughs> but then he finds things. the badge and it gives him identity again and purpose in life. And I mean, he's only got the one story now because it's dominated everything <laughs> in his life. But it is his. He tells life. it to everybody he meets from across town. <laughs> Do you have any idea what reference we're making here? Yeah, okay. I, I haven't actually played through the game, but okay. yeah, you know. okay. he was gonna play it, <laughs> but then he took an arrow. <laughs> <laughs> did you, right. not, did you not right. see? I that didn't coming? see it coming. Oh my god! I didn't see it coming. <laughs> this is why I keep Kyle around. He makes you feel like fucking <laughs> Lenny Bruce, <laughs> comedy genius. 
I'm a laugh whore. <laughs> Just say something funny. I'll laugh. <laughs> so, uh, given all of that info dump, what's next? What do you, what do you, what do you still don't know about? Uh, I mean, got any other questions? I mean, I mean, I could delve into more like mechanics and, and, you know, stuff like that. I just, I don't know how shoot, What do you got? I mean, like, what, uh, how many times am I rolling a dice or All a right. die? I, you know, directly derivative of the system you're playing. Okay, but there's they tend to follow some general rules. Mm-hmm. Characters tend to be geared toward something. In D and D, it's a, a, a certain number of adventuring type mechanics. I would venture to say skills and attributes are adventuring type mechanics. Oh yeah, it's 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 absolutely adventuring type mechanics, but they don't have to necessarily be adventuring. And that. I, and then some skills and uh, 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 other attributes are combat modifiers. Mm. Um, so then you're rolling dice anytime you're doing an action that they presume a certain amount of randomness and whether you would actually be able to accomplish what you're trying to do or not. Once you set your character's att- uh, intention, mm-hmm. rolling a dice is then for the random element of thought. Or okay. difficulty. If you're a rogue and you are picking locks, if there's no pressure... Maybe you don't have to roll to pick that lock. Okay. If you're the rogue and you're trying to pick the lock on the dungeon door and there's a, a whole army of orcs running at you, mm-hmm. now there's some pressure. The point roll is roll the dice to yeah. see if you can keep a cool head long enough to pick the lock. As your character becomes less in control of actually achieving their act- actions, they gear up how how big of a dice you have to roll, how often you have to roll dice, or what the number you have to get on any dice mm-hmm. is. So that's when they're rolling dice, and it changes the different systems based on basically where the system says the random lies. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've been talking about in, in my uh, horizon that I want to run a system without dice, and it's because I just want people to make decisions. I don't want there to be a ra- The random will be in, I'll be doing random in, in response to their decisions. They can accomplish whatever they set themselves to because, or or, or not. They, they can decide to do whatever they want to do, and I'll decide what the consequences are. And I will add an element of random to that, but they won't be rolling any dice. Some systems are like that. Some systems, dice are reflective of not your character's own inability to control probability, but just the randomness in all actions. And you, like, dedicate dice to a task, and that's your ability to try to control things. Right. And then you roll a bunch of dice and see if you accomplish what you were trying to control. Mm-hmm. There's a few other systems. And, and, and dice faces, I mean, you can... Pr- it's pretty simple to you, you understand a coin flip how that yeah. gives you a 50/50 chance. Yes. Well, a four-sided dice gives you a 25% chance of any of them, a 20 20-sided dice gives you a 5% chance of any other dice. So whatever your required subdivision of probability is, whatever sort of spectrum that you need, it ends up being the sort of dice you're rolling. Okay. Yeah. So if you need a 4 or higher on a D on a 20-sided die, mm-hmm. you've got a 20% chance at that. Yes. It would be the same if you were rolling uh, a what? four or higher on a twenty-sided die. That would be. Uh, That's like an eighty. Eighty-five. I said four or higher. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> little little sleepy. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Yeah. In any case, yes. Talking numbers without you having any shorthand about what what a what a game does is probably just going to fall on deaf ears. Mm-hmm. So what needs to happen is you need to play an RPG. What do you think? Yeah. You want to? Sure. Okay. So Wait, right now? Not right now. <laughs> no. No, I've At definitely... At some point, we need to figure something out. I got out. guys in the next room. We can get this done. Oh, yeah. I guess you don't... <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, Right now. <laughs> you got Octoon Cthulhu right there. I do. 
<laughs> my wife's going to be very upset. <laughs> Where were you? She won't know. She'll be at work tomorrow. I was playing a game you know. about monsters and ghosts and Nazis. It's cool. Yeah. You were cheating we're, on we're, me. We're looking at houses tomorrow, right? <laughs> smell like lemon pepper chicken wings. <laughs> That's <Flatulence>. her scent. <laughs> He's dating Mrs. Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, boy. So did you have any other questions for the resident tabletop gamers? Uh, none that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay. Outside of maybe, uh, I, what's the general uh, entry uh, cost entry to, to this type of hobby? Like, Ooh. If I want to go out there and, and purchase a tabletop game, A, what would be my best starting spot? And uh, B, what would, that, what would that run me? There's a lot of flex to this. Okay, here's... Your easiest way in mm-hmm. is Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Because it's the most or, or I guess maybe Pathfinder now. Yeah. Pathfinder. But those aren't the cheapest. Same thing. No, no, no. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons hasn't put they're gonna come out with the new system soon. And they'll be sufficiently divergent finally. Yeah. Yeah. But Pathfinder is still currently moving along. And those are both kind of those are the the 600 and 800 pound gorillas mm-hmm. in the tabletop RPG world. Those are medieval. Everybody, even when they play other things, knows how to play those, yeah. has played those. Yeah. They are everywhere. Whatever shop you go to is going to have copies of D&D and Pathfinder books. Yeah. So those are going to be the easiest to get into because there's also structured play. Like they might be the Dungeons and Dragons Thursday nights at your game store. Okay. So you can just hop in and learn how to play. <laughs> One of the right hard there. parts about this is that it's a game you can't play yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would mostly. You can get into as far as buying rule systems and other games. I mean, Savage Worlds' entire system is ready for ten bucks. You can buy it, the the Explorer's Edition for ten dollars. Problem with that is you kind of need to have a little shorthand about how tabletop RPGs work before you mm-hmm. walk into that one. This is something I'd say the biggest barrier to entry is that you you could complete. You could spend a bunch of money to buy all the books you need and gather your own friends and play a session all by yourself. It might work exactly fine. It'd be way better if somewhere along the line you could find somebody else to yeah, play with. Hop in with a game. So you could mm-hmm. see an example of what play is like so that you can have somebody GM for you because our our podcast here is about GMing, which is a, a, an additional, harder, and more complex step mm-hmm. in doing this. Being the person who has to be the flex to drive story and play all the non-player characters, all of them, you know, every character in a, or every player in a campaign only plays one. They play their character. Usually, yeah. One guy ends up playing everybody else in the world. Wow. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and driving the story mm-hmm. and in control of all the random elements. Like, it is a whole other, a whole other monster. It's and a you whole do other not level. want to try to do that off the, off the bat. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I guess you can. I mean, if, because I didn't have a GM. I would not recommend it. It's tough. It was tough. And what the thing is, the reason this is such a social game is, I mean, and that's, that's a funny sentiment that, the nerd and geek culture, I guess there was a stigma that kind of was built up that they're antisocial, but we're extremely social people. We just kind of tend to rub elbows with the same type of people. So the, the social aspect of this game is that if you are sitting down with the same four or five people and playing a game and running through stories, no matter what the stories are, every week for a year, and then you go to one convention or one game night at a game store or one other guy's house to sit in on a different game. You may be sitting there playing with the exact same rules, the exact same books. Everybody's dice look exactly alike, 
but the game feels completely different just based on the guy that's running it and the people that are around the table. The tabletop role-playing games, even within the confines of a specific rule system, are as diverse as conversations between friends. Yeah, that's kind of good. I'm going to write that That was poetic. That was very poetic. (laughs) So I have a tear. (laughs) In uh, Walden over here. (laughs) Thanks. So anyway, I mean, there's no right or wrong way. If you're having fun, you're doing it right. But there's so many different ways and different things. And that's why there's, that's why a a show like ours exists because, uh, and, and numerous others, you know, a couple others just specifically on the network that your show is on. So, because there's so many different ways to do it. That's true. You maybe could GM because you've got a support structure for it. (laughs) 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 Tell you anything, you're going to fucking call me. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. Uh, All right. So uh, with that, I'm going to call it. But but first, Kyle, how can they reach you? Plug your show. Backwards compatible at carpegm.net. <laughs> That's correct. And, you're, and you're, what do you you're, what do you talk about on that that your, backwards your podcast? Uh, so as I'm sure everyone knows, uh, we run a podcast on the Carpe GM network uh, called Backwards Compatible, and uh, Ooh, we talk. Bomb bomb. So yes, we we run a podcast on the Carpe GM uh, network, Backwards Compatible. Uh, we talk about video games, new and old, and. Try to delve into uh, interesting topics on there. Uh, for wa- wild and crazy guys, <laughs> um, we had uh, we had David on with you before. Yeah, we got a couple other guys on the show. Yeah, I don't think we named them in our episode. I think you, did. <laughs> you know we may not have. They're not <laughs> important. Go they're ahead they're just them, there. Give them a shout out. Uh, so there's myself. There's uh, the other Kyle, Kyle Penrod, uh, Aaron Parente, and then of course David Frazier. Uh, we all run the show. Hoping to get occasional guest stars, uh, one of your own, Tyler. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we've been working on getting him in here. But I know he's a spy. Jack so Hughes. <laughs> yeah. Tyler's not here anymore. <laughs> I know, uh, I know you have been trying you to send him over. You know what? I haven't seen Tyler since he left our show and really? said he was going to yours, but I haven't heard him on your show. <laughs> I think he was sniffed out, Mac. I think the jig is up. <laughs> Quit sending your people I over didn't to sniff check him on out. Me. Whoever's sniffing, it wasn't me. <laughs> All right. So, uh, how how do people get a hold of you? Uh, they can get a hold of us on Facebook, on Twitter, and at backwardscompatible at carpegm.net. On Twitter, you're the the BC, BC podcast? podcast. Yes, yeah. at the BC podcast. And on Facebook, uh, I believe just uh, search backwards compatible right. uh, podcast. And you should. your home address? Uh, carpegm.net slash uh, the BC podcast. And where do you live? I live uh, thirty one forty one Jill many, Avenue. How many ways can you find to ask that question? <laughs> I'm not really sure. If you could have just <laughs> kept like, well, well, my characters has residence residence in, and then given him like an Ultima continent. I, I'd love to see how far that could go. Uh, I was trying. All right. Well, thanks for uh, joining us tonight, Kyle. Thank and, you for uh, having me. You, you performed admirably. I hope we put out some content. <laughs> no performance <laughs> issues here. <laughs> With that, I'm gonna call it. Thanks for joining us. This has been the Carpe GM Gamecast. I'm Dan. I'm Mac. And I'm Kyle. And remember, support the hobby, support the industry, support your local game store, and support the Backwards Compatible Podcast. They need all the help they can get. Please help. <laughs> sorry. And stop thumping the table. I'm sorry. And take your watch off. <laughs> I took my watch and my keys. You know what? Uh, quick break here. Quick break here. This is hilarious.
actually no break. I'm just going to tell the story. Okay. Right. <laughs> so so Kyle's coming here. Uh, Kyle's coming here, and he doesn't know where you live. So I say, you're going to follow me? He said, yeah. So we're pulling out of work, <laughs> which Kyle and I work together. We're pulling out of work, and I and I have to restrain myself from just driving around the car wash next door, like, follow me. Yeah. I know like, the way. <laughs> <laughs> follow the Yellow Brick Road. Follow <laughs> which takes a straight path to nowhere. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I, I think about doing that, and I'm like, no, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. So then, like, when I decide not to do that, my brain immediately starts thinking about what can I tell him about your house? That is just like random rules. So I'm thinking maybe I'll, I'll, I'll start it off, you know, real cool and like logical, like, uh, no smoking in the house. When you walk in, take off your shoes and socks too. Uh, don't let him know if you're wearing tidy whities. Uh, you know, so I had this whole list of stuff that I was thinking. So, boxers uh, or GTFO. <laughs> The original joke was, uh, if you're wearing boxers, don't let him know. <laughs> He's right. strictly a tidy whitey man. Yeah. So, uh, right well, now, nothing. <laughs> That's it's laundry day. <laughs> <laughs> laundry day is a very dangerous day. So anyway, that's uh, that was pretty funny when you're like stopping up on the table, take off your watch, <laughs> need you to clean the wheels on my car. Yeah. Uh, don't look at me. Don't look me in the eyes. Don't look me in the eyes. Do don't, not look him in the don't eyes. Look at his left ear. You never did a horizon, did you? Oh no, I didn't. Let me let me uh, retroactively put one in. I'll start. <laughs> I don't think that works. I think you said, why don't we start with you, Mac? I don't think that works. I'll retroactively put that in at the beginning. <laughs> you. Where it belongs. Yeah. I'm the host of this goddamn show. Somebody's going to need to hook their attention. <laughs> you guys brought nothing. Yeah. You guys got shit. <laughs> You know, after the podcast, we were talking about something that I, uh, last week, uh, we were. <laughs> we haven't started back up yet. Are you? Oh. <laughs> I haven't welcomed us up back yet. So. Oh. I thought you were just teabagging yourself with the mic while I was. <laughs> no, I haven't. Like, was that going to be content? No, don't worry about it. <laughs> Never mind. Moving on. Obviously, there are more. I was going to talk about the Perry Mason effect, or whatever the guy's name is. What the fuck is that guy's name? <laughs> Computer. <laughs> yeah, Mixer. <laughs> Holy shit, his name was Mackie. <laughs> Raymond Burr. Raymond Burr, that's his name. <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't think of that. The minute you said it, I thought about the Got Milk commercial. <laughs> that's, that's Aaron Burr. That used to. I had that nightmare. I know you told me. You know the commercial. We're we're talking about? No, I don't think. All right, all right, all right. There's this thing where. Uh, so, so there's this old got milk commercial where the guy is trying to do. Uh, he, he's he's eating a big peanut butter sandwich and he's listening to the radio and they come up with a trivia question that's got some kind of crazy prize. Yeah, and it's I'm pretty sure something along the like, lines of who shot Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, that's what it was. And it, and he's and like it's like he's standing in the Alexander Ur-Burr. Hamilton. He, he's like hi, what's up, Aaron Burr? Oh yeah, it starts cutting to all the Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr stuff that's all around his apartment. That's right. And he just can't. And he's looking for the milk and it's like he's in hell. <laughs> There's no milk. He can't clear his mouth with the peanut butter or anything. And I've totally had that nightmare. <laughs> like I can't talk and I can't. I'm looking for the monotimer. Oh my god, that's horrifying. It's so bad. It was pretty funny. It's not funny, man. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So funny, man.
Uh, normally, whenever that happens to me, I wind up nearly choking to death. <laughs> <laughs> like, still try to say whatever it is I was going to say, or just spit it out. Like, blah! <laughs> I was saying, Aaron f***ing Burr! Um. <laughs> Folks, we could explain how we got to that conversation, but... You're going to have to wait for the blooper reel. <laughs> Get me a dustbuster to clean this up. Or call the dogs in. All right. And we're back. You call the dogs in? <laughs> That's gross. Do you do that? Instead of cleaning stuff up sometimes? Oh, God. Of course not, man. Oh, man. They're sitting there waiting. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to call them. They're on it. My dogs are no idiots. Oh, God. <laughs> He's going to draw something, you know. He's going to draw it. My dog will strategically I, place I like himself that. underneath. I like that. We need to do that as, an, as a thing. Your dogs <laughs> act it out <laughs> like it's two stupid dogs or something. Like. All right. So uh, Wait, hold that, on. What am I saying? Burp. Support. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Leave a message at the beat. Remember, the the Carpe GM Gamecast is presented under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License Version 3.0. To contact us with questions, comments, and other feedback, please send your emails to dan at carpegm.net. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at C-A-R-P-E underscore GM. Thanks for listening. Well, Internet, it's that time again. Time for me to help get the word out on some good music. The interstitial music for this episode was Rhythm of Complacency by the band Swim Through Frequencies. If you like what you heard, make sure you check out the links in the show notes. Um, I'll have links to all the social media and how to get a hold of them, and uh, ways that you can hear more of their music and purchase it and help support the band. Support, 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 right? So, there you go. Now I present you Rhythm of Complacency, without interruption. Enjoy. Show scenes drop off into parallels of chemicals and machine wells where people leave their faith in unknown things. Status quo of melodies, we harmonize in sympathy, sing along the songs we never heard. We're well aware of where you. Oh, tell me when this show begins So we can leave the past in disrepair I'm done pretending I'm amused Goodbye, go on, I'm glad I won't be